Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, this is Pia Baranchini, and welcome to Everything is the Best, the podcast where I get vulnerable and make others do it with me. The goal here is to deep dive into interesting people's journeys, finding common denominators, and hopefully making you feel not so alone. So let's laugh, let's cry, and let's get inspired to live our best lives. This week's episode is with Jill Dunn and Carlene Higgins of the Breaking Beauty Podcast. I'm sure most of you are familiar, but it's essentially just everything you ever needed to know in beauty from two former beauty editors. So for all you beauty enthusiasts, we have a chat about how you actually become a beauty editor, which a lot of people obviously don't know, and their absolute can't live without products. Finally, because we missed last week, David and I are back with a very intense and embarrassingly emotional Q&A, which you guys really don't want to miss. So stick around to the end and see if it's one of your questions. Um, well, thank you guys again for coming on the call. Um, thank you for having us. So I honestly want to just start out with like really getting down to the basics here, because I think that, um, and I'm sure you guys have experienced this or think about this probably often, you know, you guys are actually editors <laughs> and mm-hmm. you're not just putting your opinion online. You know, this is your whole career. So I want to talk about, um, if you can each individual, obviously like tell me your journey. I mean, have you guys both always want to be editors and journalists? Did you always know that's what you wanted to do? And then how did that kind of transition into beauty? Go for it, Jill. Yeah. Um, I'll go first. This is Jill speaking, by the way. Um, so basically, I really just loved words and communication. And from a young age, I kind of I wanted to be a lawyer, but then very quickly realized I'd be quite bored doing that. So I applied to do a magazine and book publishing, a postgraduate diploma here in Toronto. And um, basically, I just had really good timing because the year that I did that was the first year that Elle Canada launched and I was their first intern ever. Wow. And sort of like, yeah, sort of similar to you, Pia, where I was just at the right place at the right time at a thing that was growing. And then I just sort of like rose up the ranks. And it just so happened that the beauty department had no real help (laughs) and it Uh, had a lot of pages in the magazine at the time, because as we know, beauty advertisers really kept magazines afloat, fashion and beauty magazines. And so I just sort of loved words and communications and I loved the pace of magazines. And so I just like felt really at home there. And I, it was like trial by fire, small staff. I definitely got put through the paces and I learned a lot on the job. And I didn't even know a beauty editor was a thing. I really did not. But I fell in love with reporting on beauty because, first of all, there's always something new to talk about. Second of all, there was always so many badass women Mm -hmm. in beauty and a lot of female entrepreneurs killing it in beauty. And I just liked that you could look at, and Carlina and I talk about this all the time. There's so many ways you can explore the topic of beauty where it's not just like superficial. It just says so much about who we are and how we live and how we see ourselves and how we put ourselves out into the world. And um, so I worked in magazines. I worked there for a bit. And then I worked at Glow, which was like Canada's allure for about five years. And I worked across the hall from Carlene um, at the met. magazine she worked at. And uh, Carlene, you can take it from here. <laughs> 
I've totally fluked into it, to be honest with you. I took environmental studies in university, but I also minored in English. And I just never, I never really knew. I was obsessed with magazines. Like it was the 90s and like you, like at the time. God, it's the the magazine. When you see a new magazine on a newsstand, it was just like heaven on earth. Oh my God. It was everything, right? It was before we had Instagram and Pinterest and all that. So just that visual eye candy. Like I had Mm -hmm. Kate Moss and Cindy Crawford and everybody like plastered to my walls growing up. But I never really knew the job existed. I just thought that was for like people who weren't like me, like somebody in an ivory castle Mm -hmm. was doing this job. I had no idea what what it took to get it done. But I never imagined it's like, where do you go to school for that? You know, I didn't even know what an editor was. And so um, but I was always interested in writing. And then I like I went after high school, I uh, backpacked and um I got back and I just like, or sorry, after university, I backpacked, I took a year off and then I just flooded the market. Like remember, what was it? Monster? Or I don't remember what the website was, but I like (laughs) flooded my resume out there. I was like, who will take me? And this magazine got back to me. It was called Salon Magazine. It was a hair magazine. And they gave me a job as front desk clerk. So I was like, everybody's bitch. Amazing. And I answered the phone and, you know, I, I really, you know, I wasn't treated really well, but I did the job the best that I could I had to photocopy something. It was done right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then eventually, I guess people started to notice that and, you know, they moved along and they, I was plucked and started working for the top, one of the top fashion magazines in Canada. And I kind of got my education there. And it was very Devil Wears Prada. Those mm-hmm. were the times, you know. Um, and you just, you learn to get a thick skin. And because I came from Salon Magazine, they I was the beauty girl, you know. Oh, cool. So when they needed somebody to do some extra writing on staff, I started doing it. And then I stayed there for over a decade. And then the publishing industry tanked. It just completely, all the ads started drying up. Every month we'd get called to this filing cabinet area to find out who was going to get axed next. And eventually um, the magazine went out of print and and then it was my turn to get axed. And that's what happened. (laughs) And uh, Jill and I knew each other and I kind of was talking to her and I was, you know, we were talking about all the podcasts we love. I had been turned on to Serial and was listening to podcasts as I was walking to work every day. I was like, what the hell am I going to do now? Like, do I start a blog or do I start mm-hmm. a podcast? And she's like, I want to start a podcast. And uh, we looked in iTunes at the time and there were like three beauty podcasts and that was it. And we said, yeah, let's do this. That's so and cool. That's and a very happened. important part of the story was that Carlene and I bonded on press trips in hotel lobby bars, usually closing the place <laughs> down. So we had never worked. We had yeah. never worked together directly, but we had like I had written for Carlene when she was my editor, like when I was freelancing and stuff. So w- at the time when she got laid off, I was freelancing at that point already for five and a half years. And I was like, let's do something new and different. I was always just looking for the next thing and the white space mm-hmm. and our skills just so naturally led themselves to podcasting. No one else was doing it. We didn't want to get buried in YouTube or on a blogosphere kind of thing. We were, we're like, too, let's we're do too it. old for YouTube. Let's be real. Face <laughs> <laughs> for podcasting. Yeah. But, but we didn't know anything. We had to learn so much about the technical side of things. and But the storytelling, we knew that we could do. And from the get-go, our show has been about breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. And we had gone on so many press trips, as you know from your days in PR, where you're sitting beside the most interesting people in the world, whether it's Lev Glasman from Fresh, Charlotte Tilbury, mm-hmm. going backstage, we were interviewing people Pat like McGrath. you know Orlando Pita, Pat McGrath, so cool. Mark Jacobs. Um, Everybody. You know, all of the, all those big bold face names. And we're like, they have all the good stories, but in magazines, there's nowhere to write about them. Cause you just have to write about the one lip pencil that's new. So, um, we just, we're able to like use our connections in, um, and we were able to go after those stories we knew that were great and that would be, would be inspiring to people. Um, and so that's sort of where our starting point was. And that was, more than three and a half years ago. So we've been doing it for a while now. 
Hey, this is Alexis Haynes. Join me every Monday for a new episode of my podcast, Recovering From Reality. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness. I'm here to deliver intimate conversations and expert insights to empower you on the road towards authentic wellness. So are you ready to recover from reality? Carly, what you said is so so funny. Mm. It's been such a common denominator in all the podcasts, which is I didn't really like what I was doing. I didn't really know what I should have been doing, but I knew Mm -hmm. that I was just doing the best that I could for the job that I had at the moment. And that's, I keep hearing that recurring, which is so important, I think is obviously we're not supposed to know what we're supposed to do, especially out of college. Mm -hmm. I think of how young we are. I mean, a Mm -hmm. daunting thing. And most people Mm -hmm. think they're supposed to know what they want to do even before they go to school. So I think it's really true. Like take whatever job you can get and just do it the best. And then that'll hopefully, yeah. I mean, that work ethic just guides you. I totally agree with that. You'll as long as you do the best you can at your job and you impress the people who matter, they're going to bring you up, right? They want to mm-hmm. work with people they know are smart and talented and bright, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. they will remember you. You know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that makes that yeah. difference too where it's like, oh, and that's what happened. Oh, there's this job opening. Well, we're going to give it to Carlene because we know she's going to kill it. Yeah, exactly. Best photocopier yeah, of the we've office. Done, and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we've done that you. too, like through our careers. It's like you always remember the star intern. You always, always. do. And you, find, you, re, you remember them and you find a place for them or you introduce them to somebody. Mm-hmm. I do think it's a really important life lesson. Mm-hmm. So what was it like? You know, I obviously know the fashion side from pitching out clients, but what's it like? I mean, truly when you have... Like kind of like, okay, every month you sit down and you say like, this is the lipstick I think we should write about. Like what's the editing process like in terms of what you know is going to be good for the magazine? How would you guys pick? Um, You know what? I was always interested in what was new, but not that just because of the fact that it was new, but I was always looking for a story that hadn't been told yet. Mm-hmm. You know, always had to have a new angle or something fresh about it. Otherwise, I was just bored. I mean, editors are probably the most bored people in the world, like in the <laughs> sense that we've seen it all, like we've we've swatched it all, you know, so it kind of takes a lot for us to go, wow. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. feel like if it makes you go, wow, people are going to be interested. Because how much and, stuff were you getting you know, sent like on a daily basis? Oh, God. Everything. Like, just boxes and boxes and boxes. And, you know, we we had interns at the time who opened them. Like, I couldn't even open my own boxes or I'd be doing that all day. It's you know? so crazy. And I think yeah. it's one of the big things that Carlene and I, when we started doing the podcast, is like, we just, we didn't want to just have like, a. I think in magazine days, you would get kind of back to your question, you would get input from like the art director where they'd be like, no, let's just put all these things together. And you're like, so what? This is just a page of purple products. That happened. (laughs) There's a color story. You know what I mean? And like, you're like, okay, I guess that works. That's what we're featuring. But where Carlene and I now with the podcast, I feel like we're even more like stringent and even more sort of cutthroat about we co- what we cover because we're trying to help people cut through the clutter of what to buy and what's really worth the money. And that's been sort of our ethos since day one. And it's just such a different thing now. To- totally like in the magazine days, you would put together this beautiful glossy thing. You'd feel so proud of it. It'd go out into the world and then just utter silence, mm-hmm. you know, and from the other end, we'd always be like, oh, we're having a conversation with women. No, we weren't. Yeah, we were like we were telling them every month what to do, how to wear it, how to, how to, how to. If your body is this, if you're 20, 30 or 40, you know, it's just like these These are the trends things. Um, And so I feel like now we really have raised the bar with ourselves to make sure that what we are talking about is a great story, first of all, and or really going to be worth someone's time and money. And we get DMs about it on the daily of what people have bought and loved or with feedback or looking for recommendations. And that's just a different level of um, connection with with uh, our listeners and our audience. And accountability. You know, and Pia, I'm sure you get this all the time too. It's like you get a person and you can see their face on Instagram Mm -hmm. and they're like, 
should I really buy this product? And I'm like, okay, the straight goods, you know, you Mm -hmm. feel responsible, right? Absolutely. That's how how we are now with everything we produce. We're like, it takes us forever to try all the products because I don't want to recommend anything that I don't really believe is really good. Yeah. So that's my next question is like, how do you guys Mm -hmm. vet all these products? And I guess it's every day. Do you have like an hour (laughs) on like a Monday that you're like, oh, I'm going to try these like 45 lip liners? Like, what is that process like? Oh my God. Yeah. Kind of. Well, we're working on an episode. I'm just picturing my drawer that looks like a mountain. Yeah, where do you keep everything? (laughs) I can't. I'm not even going to show you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the top shelf overflows for sure. But I feel like um, still to this day, I think it's just that editor hat that you wear. Still, when I open a box and I see something that excites me, I know it, it is like newsworthy. And that's probably not a very satisfying answer, but it is true once you've seen it all and sort of had everything and every pitch come across your mm-hmm. desk. Usually you can really easily see, yeah. oh, that's new and that's exciting. Or this is a dupe for P50. Oh, I got to yeah. try you that start out. start to be able know? to sniff it out, you know? Well, it's like Because oh, you've been doing you know. this and now you actually have the authority to have those kinds of opinions. And it's not like yeah. you started doing it yesterday. Yeah. That's so yeah. cool yeah. that and you can have a gut reaction like that to something. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And I do think like there's certain technologies that you're interested in that people, you know, people are going to be curious about like I remember when BB creams were a huge thing yeah. in Korea and nobody knew what they were and I was like well I better try all of these BB creams because they were new to me they're a new trend and people are going to want to know or you know sleeping masks like mm-hmm. let's see for real this is a new category I'm going to test as many or as I can this morning I'll give you an example right now <laughs> this morning this is I use this it's a sun serum what's a it's s- sunscreen in serum drops <gasps> The brand's called Ava Isa. It's a clean beauty brand. Cool. So you could use it. It's, it's actually tr- from Canada. Yeah, it's 25% zinc o- oxide. And the thing with zinc uh, physical sunscreens, of course, everybody knows they're usually super so white and white. This comes out in like, look at that. Wow. Just fluid. Yeah. So I've been using this and I do, and I do really like it. But right away I was like, wait, sun serum drops? Testing that. How do you, Never heard of it do you before. guys ever have, um, like, what are your skin types like that you can kind of take all, I mean, oftentimes if I try a new product, my skin has a meltdown over it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it helps that there's two of us. That's the one thing I would say <laughs> if anyone's out there is thinking of starting a podcast where you're testing a lot of products, make sure you have more than one face <laughs> to test them out. Um, but yeah, I think I have more oily combination skin. So if there's like an appeal or an acid or whatever, I think we've just naturally sort of come to that, Carlene, where I'm yeah. trying all the stuff that's like peeling your face off and Carlene's oh, trying yeah. all she the loves her face hydrating. Off. but in our most recent episode for um that we talked to gothamista she she's like a big skincare influencer and she sort of talked about this right carlene where it was just about you sort of know what you can test that will play nice with your skin type Mm -hmm. like i'm not i because i have oily skin i'm not going to probably put on a super heavy rich cream or sun serum drops no Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah, well, and then I, I have people I get have swept up in skin. trends too. So that I just mm-hmm. totally. And you, well, you're totally right. You can't use you can't be using products that are not for your skin type. I mean, it's it's just a fail. So you needed more hydrating. Yeah, I'm hydrating sensitive. So if you're super sensitive, what have you found even like makeup wise that you can't use? Have that like do you get like rashes? Hmm. Makeup wise, I, as my eyes are stinging right now, um, <laughs> I'm wearing a new eyeliner and um, it's stinging me. So if really? I keep doing this, that's why. Um, you know what? I actually don't find makeup bothers me that much now that you say that. Occasionally I would have eyeshadow issues. I remember like with NARS back in the day and now this, whatever this is, is stinging me now, but it's more skincare. It's more skincare that I'll start to get more red and stinging and and that kind of thing. So I have to be careful with that. So what are both of your top three skincare products? Okay. I'm going to go. I brought them. I have to show you. Um, It's really hard. This is very difficult. So 
Um, okay, I'm gonna recommend the same ones that I always I always do, but they are my tried and true, and it is what I use. So Dermalogica spe- special cleansing gel. I've been using that forever. It takes off all of your makeup. So good, so good. You. you you don't need a second cleanse um, with that specific product. And I actually have like the huge size with the pump mm-hmm. in my shower and I just can't quit it. I've tried. I just can't quit it. I love it so much. And the reason I do is because it's that gel formulation. It foams up nicely, but it never leaves you dry. And you just, it takes off everything, which is fantastic. Um, and a close second to that that I love is the, um, it's pretty new. It's the Squalene Cleanser from The Ordinary. It's like $11. The Ordinary is incredible. Sh- Yeah. And that doesn't take off. I will say it doesn't take off every single thing. It's close, but it doesn't. So I'll use that as like a second step sometimes. Um, if if I'll do like an oil cleanser and then the squalene cleanser from the ordinary, but it's, it's amazing for the price point, Mm -hmm. literally $11 for a huge, huge one. And then if I would give any recommendation to anyone, it's this great quality vitamin C serum. There's a lot of crappy ones out there. And this one, it's actually empty. You can see it's the SkinCeutical CE Ferulic um, Antioxidant Serum. And I wear this every single day. And it's amazing because it brightens dark spots. It gives you natural protection from free radical damage, which we know just ages you like that, which boo, that sucks. No one wants that. And then... um, it's so hard to, I would probably say like a daily moisturizer with SPF. Um, I have so many that I like, but the one that I have been wearing a lot is this Prisma Protect from Dermalogica. And then I also like the Biore UV one, um, SPF, I think 40, because they're very like lightweight in texture, which is what I want when I'm like out and about like every single day. So those are all top shelf worthy. I'm oily too. So SPF is hard mm-hmm. because when they first came mm-hmm. out, it, you would just be so greasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. But it's essential. It's like literally responsible for like 90% of skin aging. So you have to be wearing something. Mm-hmm. And right now, Carlene and I, we're going to do a whole episode about SPF, you guys. And we're going to do one all about mineral sunscreens that Ooh, are going to work. So that's coming up in a few weeks. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. Okay. What are yours, Carlene? Okay. So I recently got back into a micellar cleanser. That's Uh like an old standby. You know, the Bioderma, right? Yeah, I use a micellar cleanser every day. This one? I use either the Bioderma or the uh, Cogen. Cogendo. Cogendo, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's always shocking to me because, you know, as you said, we're trying products all the time. So to be honest with you, my skin is kind of always fucked up. Like it's not at an optimal state because I think it's better to be using the same skincare regimen for a long time. Yeah. You're not able to even do that. And I can't do that. So I'm kind of working against myself, but yeah. So I'll be like trying a bazillion different cleansers and stuff. But um, whenever I go back to this one and I use it instead of a cleanser with water, there's so much less redness in my mm-hmm. face. It's unbelievable to me. I'm just Very like gentle. shocked. So for sensitive skin, that's definitely a standby. And then um, in and terms... And that one, maybe you can just explain like how you even use it. Yeah. So if, I mean, you know, because you use a micellar cleanser, but for any of your listeners who haven't used it, um, you don't use it with water. It's a French technology. You put it on a cotton pad and uh, and just sort of wipe away, wipe it all over your face and it'll either take off makeup or in the morning, just, you know, take out like pollutants and sebum. And it's almost the micellar cells are kind of like magnets. So it just pulls it onto the pad and off of your face. Some people said, I read somewhere, I think like Ami Song post about it once that some people say you Mm -hmm. should use it after you, like there was like arguments over at what step you should use it. Have mm-hmm. you, I always just use to take off my makeup and then I'll do it. I'll splash on a little bit in the morning, but is there another way to use it or was that wrong? Well, I think potentially people could be using it as like a second cleanse. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking is mm-hmm. maybe what she meant. Like if you use an oil-based cleanser, that's going to mm-hmm. kind of melt away and loosen up all the debris and the makeup. But then if you just rinse with that, like you still have that oil all over your face. So you need to then get that off. Got it. Okay. So I think you could probably use a micellar cleanser for that as a second step. 
And then in terms of skincare, it is pricey, but I'm really a fan of Clay de Peau. Do you know that line? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the French-inspired Japanese skincare. And yeah, it's pricey, but it's still my favorite. I really like softening essences like skincare waters. Mm-hmm. Do you ever use those? No. Instead of serum? A softening um, essence? Sounds like heaven. (laughs) (laughs) So before you use a serum, or if you don't want to do a lot of steps, you can use it instead of a serum, but they are almost the texture of water. They're so thin and they're really designed for hydration. It's a hydrating step. And because the molecules are so small, it's really going to sink into your skin. I like the ones that say softening on them because your skin instantly feels softer. It has like this moisturizing component to it. And then you can still use serums after because that's where you're going to put all your actives are in your serum. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. um, I find if you use like a skincare water or an essence that doesn't say softening, it just feels like you're like, is this even doing anything? It just feels like water. And it's like key to hydration. I love that so much. Um, and I then I no really clue. like this is I love yeah. this. It's and you sort of like so pat good. it onto your face with your hands, right, Carly? Yeah, you don't use a cotton pad. So okay. it's like a toner, but you just dribble it into the palm of your hands and then you pat it on. You pat it on all over. I'm ordering this so, when we get off this fucking yeah, podcast. It's so good. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> I also am a fool for a daily moisturizer with SPF. It's really key. Just like Jill said, that's where all of the aging is happening more than anything else. So even if you're inside, like working from home, and I think it's all about finding the one that's the best texture under makeup that doesn't feel like you're putting on straight sunscreen every day. Yeah. And honestly, I I have been hard pressed to find one better than the one I love from Clyde Poe. It's called their protective fortifying emulsion. It's SPF 22. And it just goes on like silk. And it doesn't have that weird powdery or oily after feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that. But, you know, like you were saying in our podcast, because we did a swap, you know, some people are really watching their budgets right now. And that's completely fair. And I think um, Avino, the SPF daily moisturizer, SPF 15 is is quite good as well for a drugstore option. The Clé de Peau concealer, mm-hmm. yeah, which is obviously yeah. very expensive, iconic, yeah, the fucking right best goddamn investment <laughs> anyone can make ever, ever. Completely also, agree. It lasts so long. Agree. Yeah, as it's well. a stick, so it lasts forever. I highly recommend that. I used it one mm-hmm. time at Forever Go at Reformation. Sometimes I don't wear a lot of makeup to work, just because I know mm-hmm. that I'm you know, if I'm doing a lot or sometimes, unfortunately, which I obviously can never do again, but like I'll touch my face. And so Mm -hmm. I was putting on makeup at the end of the day before I went out and I used the concealer and like the CFO at the time was like, what just (laughs) happened? Your skin looks incredible. And I was like, I know it's a magic eraser. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can do a before and after. Like that's one of those products that you can seriously do half your face with it and half without. And it's shocking. Yeah, no, I was just going to agree. It's like, it's so worth the spend if you have the money to spend mm-hmm. on it. Well, mm-hmm. especially because when I was making like no money at my old jobs, I was always trying to justify how I could purchase it. But I would I would use that. And when I would run out of it, I would try to supplement with cheaper stuff. But I would go mm-hmm. through it much faster. Yeah. It does mm-hmm. last a very long time. And yeah. a little bit yeah, goes right. a long way. So, I mean, it is something that upfront is annoying to pay for, but... Yeah. Okay. So what are your favorite makeup products? Okay. Well, this is one that I've been obsessing over lately. And I actually bought this with my own money. And this is the Pat McGrath Skin Fetish Sublime Foundation. It is exorbitantly expensive. It's probably the most expensive <laughs> foundation at Sephora, but I had to buy it. How I much don't know is why. it? I have so many. Fi- I think, well, it's like, I think it's at least 65 or $70. Yeah. God. So, and this, you, that you go through it definitely a little bit faster, but what I love about it is that it's sheer, it's just like gorgeous glowiness. You can build up to the coverage that you want. This is going to be in every single makeup artist kit because it was designed by Pat McGrath. Mm -hmm. She's like mother to every makeup artist. She's, you know, she's not going to come out with a foundation that sucks. And I can attest that it really does work. 
An application tip I have for this one though, I do not use my beauty blender because the beauty blender almost absorbs too much product and this Uh. is like liquid gold. So I actually apply it on the back of my hand and then I just use my fingertips to sort of like massage it all in and then I'll go in with my beauty blender and just sort of like blend it better, but I don't put the product itself into the beauty blender. That makes sense. So I love that. Um, what else do I love for makeup? Um, something that is a new discovery is this Charlotte Tilbury. I feel like you wear a lot of Charlotte Tilbury makeup. Is that the the eye um, eyeshadow kit? It is. This one's called the Luxury Palette. Heaven on Earth. And Best thing act- in the world. She she actually just came out with a new system, which is a little bit 80s inspired, I have to admit. Mm-hmm. But it's eyeshadow palettes that work with your eye color. I feel like that's kind of a throwback. Oh, yeah. Notion. That was at every drugstore. It was like, if you have brown eyes, here's yeah. your palette. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But now she's Jill's doing like, it. I feel like making... this is one of the first articles I ever wrote for a magazine. <laughs> like, <laughs> literally. So this is called the Luxury Palette. This is called uh, the Copper Charge Palette because I have blue eyes. This is the one I'm supposed to use. That's what I'm wearing today. And uh, I just really love that it's that no-brainer. She sort of elevated that whole no-brainer makeup. If you're like, what's going to look good on me? Mm-hmm. She When she first launched, she had those like 10 looks and you you could be like, I want that look. And it was like a different way to sort of buy makeup. And of course, I'm obsessed with her Pillow Talk lipstick. I go through a two of that all the time. I love Charlotte Tilbury makeup. I love the flawless filter. Yes, that's amazing too. The flawless filter is really, really good. And today I'm wearing, um, I'm just going to talk about what I'm wearing because I try so much stuff. I am wearing the Anastasia Beverly Hills new mascara called Lash Brag, which was a pretty big deal for her because she'd never had a mascara before. And you like and, it? And uh, I, yeah, I do like it. I, I think it's quite a good one. It's one of those one that didn't make a lot of noise when it came into the market just because it was bad timing, I think. But Anastasia Suarez, she's such a boss. And I feel like what her daughter has done for their company is just incredible, taking it into this 2.0 version of Anastasia Beverly Hills. And Anastasia was on our show. She was, um, we were her first podcast ever. And just, like her story I is digress, but she was just incredible. amazing. And her story will blow your mind from like a Romanian immigrant couldn't speak English to now owning a billion dollar brand. It's truly like my hat's off to her. She's so inspiring. You have to listen to that. If you listen to any entrepreneurship story on our, on our show, but yeah, that's sort of what I'm wearing right now. I'm always testing new makeup. Like I always find new things that I love. I love testing new makeup. I think it's so fun. I obviously get scared of the skin stuff sometimes, but makeup is the best. Yeah. And I am wearing boy brow, of course, because that's just, that's just such a staple now. Do you have blue under here? Your, the blue in your eyes is popping in such a beautiful way. It's crazy. Oh, thank you. No, that's Charlotte Tilbury. (laughs) It almost looks (laughs) like eyeshadow for blue eyes. But you know, like in the eighties too, they would like take like almost like blue or whatever the color of your eyes online, like your inner. Yeah. I mean, it mm-hmm. looks like that. The color is just popping so much. It's, it's just so making pretty. it pop. Oh, it's Thank working. You. Thank you. It's working. Thank you, Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my list. Keep it short. Okay. So you want to know a couple of mine? I'm going to keep it short. Um, I have like a rediscovery. So you remember these little Mac? Yes. Pots, right. The little Mac pots. And, you know, I had kind of, forgotten about them and ignored them for a while. But um, at the beginning of March, they reformulated and Mm -hmm. they actually um, brought back like a bunch of shades that were backed by popular demand. I think there's 36 shades and they're even better, like higher performance now. And it's funny because we did an episode. I don't remember if it was our best of spring or not. And um, I recommended a palette that was really fun. It was like inspired by a show and it was really cute and everything. But then right afterwards, I ended up using these MAC eyeshadows and I was like, holy shit, the difference in quality is unbelievable. Like these ones are just boom and instant color payoff, like the blendability. And most of all, there is zero, you know, when the powder falls down, the fallout. And I hate that. And I was like, this doesn't like I've tried like five colors. There's no there's no fallout at all. And I was just like, oh, yeah, this is what quality gets you, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I've been loving those. That's making me so nostalgic from my elementary school self. I know. Right? Max the <laughs> best. And we're like, it's Canadian. So we're so 
We're so proud of Mac. And, and we've interviewed the founder of Mac as well. And yeah. you will cry during that episode because we did and what they've done for what he did from for Viva Glam. And um, there's the story of Mac is truly just born out of a kitchen sink. And it's so remarkable. So check that one out too. It's nice to mm-hmm. see a brand like that that was so explosive just be mm-hmm. this consistent for so long. Yeah, totally. Well, they really were the first brand. If you think about, oh God, what what was their tagline again? Jill, what was it? All all races, all sexes, all ages in 1984. Yeah. Beautiful. It was so So ahead of the time. Um, And then I'll just give you a couple of of, um, drugstore or affordable buys because I I know those are always our most popular episodes. Of course. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big fan of Maybelline these days. I know Jill is too. I don't have the foundation here, but I've recommended it so many times. The Dream Urban Cover Foundation. It's basically a dupe of the It Cosmetics CC cream. Okay. Do you know that one? The It Cosmetics? No. Oh, what's the proper name now? What's it called, Jill? Oh, it I recognize. The It Cosmetics, yeah. the it Cosmetics CC cream. Because that one's more expensive, obviously, right? Yeah, Yeah. the It Cosmetics one. So Maybelline made a Dream Urban Cover one. It's a CC cream foundation, SPF 50. And it's like, honestly, I feel like it's just as good. I know Jill's devoted to the original, but I love... Mm -hmm. What's a CC cream? It's like color and coverage Mm -hmm. is supposed to be the original. Right, Carlene? Um, Is it color and coverage? Oh my God, it's so long ago now. I don't remember, but... It's supposed to have good for you ingredients in it. It's like, it's supposed to be that hybrid where it's like correcting, but also like good for your skin. Like skincare ingredients. So it has, it Mm -hmm. says it has antioxidants and all that, but I just love that Mm -hmm. it gives you like a really natural seamless finish with a little bit of dewiness without looking oily. Ooh, I just feel like that's yeah. the sweet yeah, spot, it is. right? Yes. Doesn't everyone want that? Yes. So it's a CC cream that's supposed to kind of look like skin, but it does give you that coverage as well, like, and it'll build up. So I don't know. I've, I'm i digging the Maybelline these days. Well, and it's true. And everybody, I don't know if everybody knows this, but L'Oreal, the parent company L'Oreal owns It Cosmetics and they also own Maybelline. So uh, you're probably bang on with that, Carlene. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Connecting the dots. Yeah. <laughs> I also used to listen to a podcast every single morning, like the daily from the New York Times. That's but the it just best. depends. Yeah. It's so good. Right now, I'm just like trying to limit my news consumption to like 60 minutes a day, maximum, like all told. So it just depends what their topic is, you know. Yeah. And sometimes whether it's, I can take it on for the day. Sometimes it's a, a heavy way to start your day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But Conan O'Brien needs a friend. I'm going to plug his podcast because I often l- listen to that in the morning and I'll go back and listen to episodes I've already heard because they just make me howl laughing. And it's such a fun way to start the day if I am like drinking my coffee and just, you know, I should probably be listening to my own podcast and editing it, but I'll like just listen to Conan <laughs> <laughs> before I like get into work mode because I just need a minute. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's a very odd thing to be responsible for your own schedule at this point, right? Because yeah, totally. normally it's like, oh, I have this thing or I had the first two weeks of quarantine. I totally was like, like I was sleeping until like nine in the morning. Like I would get mm-hmm. up and have to like open my computer right away and be like, oh shit. Okay. Just like, and now I'm totally back to my usual routine. Um, and I will say Carlene, like obviously it's all whenever you're comfortable, but I, a lot shifted when I started having a routine. Yeah. Well, and it's also with my kids, right? It's, that's the thing to like, they sometimes they're wearing pajamas for two days straight. And I'm like, this has got to stop. You know, when it was two weeks, it was like, that's fine. This is all good. But now, you know, now that it's getting into months, it's like, okay, they'll probably feel better as well. You know? And my daughter is uh, is nine. And like you, Pia, she's like, there's changes happening earlier yeah. than I would have, than I remember when I was a kid. And now she's like, she, you know, she's got BO, you know, all of a sudden over. I remember over when I was quarantine. like nine and got BO and my mom was like, do you smell? Exactly. And my mom was like, 
I didn't start smelling until I was like 15. Like, I, and I was just sitting there like, I can't help it. Like, I don't know. Aww. I know. Well, leave a kid in pajamas for two days. And <laughs> let me tell you, you're going to put it to the test. <laughs> I was just like, is that me? Could have been. But no. And so now it's like, like you were saying um, about your mom when you were on our show, it's about passing on the rituals and being like, okay, we need to take a bath every day mm-hmm. instead of every other day and like use a washcloth or that shit's not coming out, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Does yeah. she want to do makeup stuff with you? Like, is she always touching your stuff and trying makeup on? She actually is getting into it, but funny enough, she hasn't showed me what she's doing. She's been really inspired by um, TikTok. Oh, yeah. And she'll kind of lock herself in her room and and do stuff. But then she'll come out with nothing on. She takes it all off. It must be intimidating Um, if that's what your career is, you know. uh, Well, I'm not a big makeup artist. That's the difference between being a beauty podcaster and a beauty YouTuber. Like I don't have I don't have the cut crease and, you know, and all those skills. Right. I can interview somebody, but um, I need a tutorial. That's funny that she takes it all off. My niece taught her mom, my sister-in-law, how to do makeup stuff when she started watching YouTube videos on makeup. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. And I thought I was going to have all this time. When during quarantine, I was like, yeah, we're going to sit down and do makeup tutorials together. That hasn't happened. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Not yet. Yeah. Oh, God. I'm sorry. My, I hate to interrupt. My foster dog is like jumping back and forth behind me, like What's eating an name? Ugg. She's I eating, an, little, she's eating an Ugg boot. Cherry, what are you doing? What? She's she, this poor dog is like six months and was dropped at the shelter with so many medical issues and she's so sweet. Aww. But now she's like mm-hmm. jumping on my bed. She's on my clean pile of clothes. She was like chewing on my Ugg earlier. I was like, I'm going <laughs> to... I was like, you got, got, can't focus. You're eating my Ugg. <laughs> Which I'm sure my husband gave to her because he hates that I wear Ugg boots. He thinks it's like <laughs> the most embarrassing thing in the world. Well, thank you guys so much for this. Honestly, it's so refreshing to hear feedback from like, you know, experts on me. I mean, truly, because this is your career, right? It's not, it's so nice to hear of all the things that you've tried, what your favorites are. I feel like we just got gold. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Of course. Thank you you guys so much. Enjoy the rest of your quarantine. Uh, (laughs) Thanks you too. And now it's time for a little Q&A with Pia and Davide. Good evening, all. <laughs> Are you ready? Ready. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you for once again being in our bedroom with me. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> okay. Ciao, Pia and Davide. Let me give you some insight into my situation. I've been dating a guy on and off for the past two-ish years or so. He's 10 years older than me my next door neighbor, and things are complicated. We started talking when I was still in college and have essentially acted completely like a couple since then. We were long distance while I was away at school, but I've been back from home for a year. We were never official with a label, but we went on dates and spoke every day. After two years, I'm stuck in a rut. We basically have the same fight every single month that goes back to the same thing. He's not ready to commit. Motherfucker. Okay. <laughs> I feel dumb for even asking this, but yeah, what the hell should I do? There's been multiple instances and problems that I've brought to his attention, talking with other girls, liking photos of other girls on Instagram, etc. I know the easy thing to do is to say you can't get mad because you're not official, but I feel like he's been leading me on this whole time. He keeps saying that he truly cares about me and wants me to wait for him once he gets a place of his own, a better job, and is more independent. I'm also working on the same thing and don't see why we can't be official and both working on ourselves. Please, guys, any advice from you would help. I'm going to let you answer this first, but I already know what I'm going to say. People tend to care about what they have when they lose usually what they have. Got to play a little bit cool. You can't be there in need for for him to commit. Yeah, you're too available. Because Number that's one what is freaking him out. He At the beginning, probably was 
Era funny that you were the, 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 la, 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 la ragazza della porta accanto, the, the girl of the next door. Yeah, but I'll also say it's a lot of effort. Like, like know. if they've been talking for two years and when she's away at school, he clearly cares about you because what man, especially a man who's 10 years older, wants to spend his time speaking to a girl all day long? Like he not, clearly, not necessarily. I, 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 I don't know exactly at what point of his life it is and what point of her life she is, but That's not might be the scenario. I th- I think he, either you keep that. Think where do you guys start it? So either you keep the vibe and you just give it to him what he liked at the beginning, or you might have your answer. Maybe after two years, it's time to move on. Yeah, I think Feel you, your, follow your guts. You know, I think you should move on because there's two things that are going to happen. He is either going to freak the fuck out and realize that you're his person and he'll come back to you, which is great. Exactly. What I said Or he's going to be bummed for a second because he misses the companionship, but then like start fucking other girls. And then you have your answer there as well. And then that's a gift to you as well, because then you get to move on. Wanting to commit, it should not be a forced process. When somebody wants to commit, first of all, it has to happen for both of you. It has to be a mutual thing. If that's not the case, I, I never suggest to force that process. Don't you think talking to someone all day long and then saying, I'm not ready to commit is a cop-out? If you want to be with someone, be with someone. I agree with you. And that's, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. I, I will not force that process. You know, well, it was fun. We had a great time and probably the circumstances were pretty uh, stimulating back then. But I will just seriously, I agree with you, first trying to move on and eventually consider that might be And you got to play this solution. cool. You can't be like dramatic about yeah, this. Cool. You got to you gotta cool. hit him up and you have to be like, listen, be fucking cool. Ryan, I... Like today you have a, an unlimited... What? You have unlimited access to humans. humans. There's so many apps. Yeah. You got to so just like be like, listen. Forcing uh, somebody is I make any better. I'm in a time of my life where I got to live a lot. This is what I've learned in quarantine. More of things that I want. And thank you so much for everything that you've done for me. But the best thing for me right now is some space and some boundaries because we keep, totally. f- we keep going back. The pendulum is always swinging back to the middle. And if you don't want to be my middle, my pendulum's got to swing back to the other side. Yeah. You can also not be that much. So cool. <laughs> Dramatic. <laughs> you don't need to do the pendle part of it, but I think, <laughs> I think, I think it's time for for you to move on. Sorry. But I just, you got to be really chill and cool about don't. it. Don't be like, you're not, you're not, you just got, you're just, this is, think of that. Think of this. This is a bad way to say it, but think of this with a business. If he was a business, would you invest in it? But no. the pendle was better. <laughs> <laughs> no, forget about the business thing. Listen, guys, we got to follow. Listen, either way, you're you fine. Gotta, you got to follow your guts. Either way, you're fine. If it doesn't you're feel right, gonna... probably it's not right. And I'll tell you this much. If you say, I don't want to be with you, it's the best case scenario for him freaking out and wanting you back. And if he doesn't, then you're free. Um, okay, next question. Amen. <clears throat> Hi, Pia and Davide. My ex recently reached out before. Uh, yeah, already. As soon as, sorry if I cut you off. As soon as I heard about ex, nothing comes, nothing good comes from ex, guys. You were my ex at one point and now we're married. Well, we've never been ex. Yeah, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> See how you giggly? Like, wait, ex? Okay, hold on. Basta, 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 basta. Sorry, sorry, sorry. My ex recently reached out before quarantine. We've been off and on for four years. Talking about a girl or... Sorry, can you give me some more... It's, it's a girl. Specify? It's, it's a, a girl, girl talking about a man. Oh, her name is so pretty. I is wish it, I could say it out is a talk about Is a girl talking about a man coming back? Yeah, but also it doesn't matter. It could be same sex. Who knows? No, 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 no. It's important. It's a no. girl. And I'm guessing he's a man. Yeah. We've been off and on for four years, mainly due to long distance and out of a place of love and also vulnerability, we started seeing each other again. Things were going great. Nothing to complain about until he began voicing this narrative that first expressed normal concerns and doubts about the time we were living in right now, which suddenly then changed to his doubt 
concerning me and our future together. He always prefaces our conversations before we meet again that he wants a future with me. I hate that. I want a future with you, but... And that, they, and that they've always <laughs> felt like soulmates, but I feel he's only thrilled by the anticipation of being with me rather than the reality and the responsibility of the relationship. That's very smart of you to notice. I ended things over text because I felt it was unfair when I had supported him unconditionally over the last few months and he expected me to go and see him for basically him to end things with me. We And we haven't spoken since. Any advice on how to heal from a toxic pattern of on and off relationships? When to know if it's really over, how to deal with the reality of feeling someone is the person for you, but they feel they can't be with you right now. I know times are tough and everyone is caught in a lot of introspection, but I really feel we could make it work. Perhaps you think we should talk again or maybe my ending things was closure. I'm sorry you're going through this. That's really frustrating on all levels. Can I go first? Please. I think actually a lot of what I'm going to say to you is is how I feel about the last question that we answered, which is that the best thing that you can do is say, I want someone who's fully committed to me. Otherwise, I got to do my thing. And if that freaks him out and he wants to be with you, great. And um, if not, then you've closed a door because if that door is halfway fucking open, you're going to keep going back and forth. And there's no way to move on to another relationship without really closing out the last one. Also, I will say, and I don't mean to, this is an epic statement, but. You love to, <laughs> love to throw epic statements. I would lay in bed at night with Davide and my bones told me he was my husband. It's not a feeling. It's not a choice that I made. I wasn't like, oh, he would be great for my life because X, Y, and Z, which I've done before. Like, oh, this person fits into this picture of like where my life is supposed to go. The opposite happened. He was going the opposite direction of me. But every single cell in my body laying next to him, looking at him, it was out of control. Like it was that whole... It was that entire feeling that everybody Actually, says. Leave some space for my answer. When you know, you know. <laughs> Don't fucking cut me off when I'm talking about how much I love you. So I'm just saying, like, if you have those feelings and fight to the death, but I do also think you should be with somebody who's not putting you to the side because right now is not a good time. Listen, through the dawn of time, there's been like wars and pandemics and horrible things have happened and people have loved each other through it. So being scared about coronavirus has nothing to do with whether or not he wants to be with you. I'm done now. I can literally just spit it up at the end. <laughs> I think that the first, the essential component whenever you are trying to leave a toxic situation is be conscious of the fact that you are in a in a toxic situation and in a toxic relation a drug guy needs to realize first that he is a drug addicted to give it up on that and i do believe that there are so many things that can be planned in this life i said this now, a couple of times, we are probably uh, a generation that likes to have answers and solution right away. We love to have, I got to know how this is going to end. I got to know if you are with me. I got to know it. There are things that sometimes can be planned. And I believe that love is one of those. Same as per our last question. I think it's really, it is really important to not force something you don't want to be with somebody that oh you know sweetie we can't be together because COVID-19 is hitting the world what the kind of kind of I don't know that he's got to go to Vietnam <laughs> you know what I mean it's like yeah what that how that should impact it's like if we release my mother-in-law because there is COVID it's like how how a pandemic should pause a relation. I agree with you when you said people have been surviving together in history through so many bad moments. It's it's it. That's where all these, to me, just sounds like an excuse. Let it go. Let him go. You're in a good it's position insane. now. Sorry, I'm if I cut you. It's incredible as a man feeling that 
those many people that are holding on somebody else. I find that, like it touched my heart. I find that extremely sad. I am so sorry about it. It's unbelievable that in a historical moment like this, there are so many people that are in need of love Mm -hmm. and be loved. And and the point is that if I put myself on somebody else's shoes, how can you be passive about somebody saying to you, I need you because I love you? So either you let me go, either you say, you know what? I'm not for you, you're not for me. Let's call it. But hanging in there, it's a little bit... It's mean. It's a little bit mean. It's mean. That's how I feel. Yeah. Um, you're in a good position that you guys have broken up and not talked. You know what I mean? Totally. Like you, the worst part is over. So lean into the process of becoming your best self and turning into a butterfly. And, um. I love how deep you're getting about it. I just am really into analogies today. And all the business, butterfly, (laughs) very smart. And then I think I would just, um. See what happens. Do your do your work. And if he reaches out to you and says, I've had time to think and you're the one. And hopefully by that time, you've done enough work to know whether or not he's the one. The last two questions were girls waiting on men, unfortunately. That's what, I'm, that's what I was trying to I say. I know. It is what you're saying. It's like if we're, if, I mean, I don't believe really in a distinction between sex and love affair. But it's my father would say that the world is changing that the world is getting upside down yeah and i love the idea of a man you know like trying to get the girl and (laughs) walking downstairs (laughs) asking her to go to the balcony now we're a balcony now we're now we're rambling okay next i think she got the i think so she got a message we're with you you can email us again Keep us posted. I mean, I got a guy otherwise. Yeah, Davide's got <laughs> a guy. <laughs> Davide is one Italian person. Got a few guys. <laughs> Actually, ladies. No, it's not the time. Okay. It's not. This is not a commercial. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My friends. <laughs> I think we should start a fucking is, dating app with all the Italian men. That is done. That's not our. That's not. I'm just saying. What do you do? You import Italian? Can you stop? Can you keep reading your hand? I'm just saying. <laughs> PMP. <laughs> we import Italian. <laughs> Ladies, we D&P got arrivato la rotino. Keep reading. Uh. We like, can be like Whitney from Bumble. We'll be yeah, so rich. Course. We can put all of them on a Fiat Panda. <laughs> Just throw them to, to girls asking outside the door. Oh my God. Like a magazine. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Next question. Important Italian. Ciao, Bianca. Long-time follower and listener. Thank you. And Appreciate it. She gave me some nice compliments, but I'm not going to read them out loud because I'm not that You're obsessed. so sweet. I'm so down to earth. Um, <laughs> my, my question for you is tough. My partner and I have been dating for nearly two years and just moved in together in February. He's two years older than me. And when we first started dating, he was fully employed and earning more than me. He chose to leave his job a month before the pandemic because it just wasn't doing it for him anymore. Since then, the job market has been complete shit. He's a journalist. And there have been massive layoffs across the board. Before this all happened, I really trusted him and could see us building a life together. But now I'm stuck. I know this pandemic won't last forever and he'll find something eventually, but I'm having trouble feeling as sure as I once was. Why? My question to you and Davide is, at what point do you have the tough chats about career goals and aspirations? What the, what does his career have to do with you wanting to be with him? I think you got the answer. I'm an architect at a top design firm in New York and has always taken care of myself, but want to be with a partner that could split things 50-50 with me in the long Wow. This <laughs> savage mode, then. This is... This is savage. This is savage, girl. I'm sorry. This is savage. Money this isn't is everything, but I want to someday be able to own a home, send kids to college, and the sort. What should I do? I, should be... I want to skip this. I feel like I would like to skip this if I can. No, no, no. It's good to talk about. I hope he. I hope he. He's gonna. You can't to this. base your life 
off of thinking about sending your kids to college? Like, because then what's the cycle here? Like, so you work and congratulations on working, like being an architect is so hard and that's a really competitive field and like fucking brava to you for getting yourself there. Like you deserve everything for that. And you deserve your children to feel that, you know, that they have that same opportunity. But I would also hope that with that you love your husband, that you love your husband and that more than you care about him being able to send your kids to college. Like we're not even, I don't give a shit if my kids go to college or not, because half the people we know that went to college wasted it because they don't know what they really want to be. But but that's, that's, that's the problem. And I, and I, I wanted to answer to this because this country is really based on that. This country, the first thing that a human being would tell you is where they did go to college. That's the fucked up system. And the consequence of that is having people that are con- so concerned about that. Your kid might become athletes, artists, musicians. You can base your life and your existence on the perfect America out of the book scenario. Sorry. You're I, setting I yourself up. You're setting like, yourself like, up big time. What if you're? What you're if setting your yourself child, up to be unhappy yeah. for the rest of your life. Because what if your kids also decide that college isn't for them? Or what if your child has a has what a lot of people I know have like an addictive personality and go down a different path? That's like not your, your ideal. You life, need to be more. I think I think she has to start these from herself. And trying to understand if she wanted to be an architect because that's what she was dreaming about. I'm not going to go that deep. Oh, on I, it. I, I think it is that deep because it sounds like she has introduced herself with the title that she has and what she does as a job. And that's to me is the answer of the consequence February, of how concerned you are about March, April, your kids going to college. Actually, how concerned you are about your husband being able to split 50-50 for your Life education. Also listen to this. Everything in life, every think about how every 10 years your life turns upside down. Like the guy's been unemployed for three months. So what? Like it shouldn't be that you're concerned that he's not going to get a job. And so you want to abandon ship. And then what? You're going to like search around for a man like you're looking for a resume? I don't know. Like I, and I hope we're I not being too hard. Wife, I, I met my wife on the peak of my career and I had to pick her and I will do it a thousand times. Mm-hmm. I will do it again a thousand times. Yeah. I think this is, I'm emotional I might not be able a- to pay for my kids college right now. And I am not, but, but our kids life are should gonna, not be planned or our kids are going to paycheck life should not no. be pay should be should should not be planned on i'm not a doctor i didn't go to college i didn't study i didn't have the opportunity to do it i'm not saying that that's the right way but i would not be with my wife if she was concerned about me not being able to financially provide provide for of course a man instinct is to provide for his family a man instinct is to be Il padrone di casa, to be the, to be the house leader, to be the pack leader. But you can't put this pressure on this guy. Maybe it's not the person for you. I'm sorry if I'm being this drastic, but I feel pretty sensitive about this. And I really think that you should move on and you should really first starting from yourself, thinking of what you are planning, what you are doing. If you are happy out there, but th- that's not your person. I'm sorry if I'm being this drastic. I usually like to be pretty diplomatic and understanding this this is to me it was formalizing the, this is to me bad i'm, I'm crying i'm, emotion, I'm upset uh, th- th- about th- this it this is bad this is bad yeah because ultimately you should be willing to to live in a box with the person that you love so this is this your, fucking country like, this makes me no don't get I, i'm i'm, I I'm emotional mad. over this because it makes me Oh, hi, I'm Bruce. No, no, no. The problem is that I think that that we've been raised so intensely to feel like we're nothing unless we're something so big and we're defining crucial life moments in the wrong way. And I would hope that your children will grow up looking at two parents who 
dance in the kitchen while they're cooking dinner and show up to every happy, happy football beep. game and happy kiss beep. in public. My mom and dad kissed in public until my dad died. Happy and, people. you know, it's... My mechanic sent to college three kids. He fixed cars by himself every day. And he started in 68 during this job. He inspired me. He's a mechanic. To my eyes, he's an artist. He's a happy man. He pursued a passion. And he was able to provide to his kids. That's the answer that I would like to give to this. Yeah, I think um, breaking up with someone. I don't know. This is upsetting me so much. Me too. I am. I'm. And I don't want to make you feel isolated for for asking me an honest question. And I don't want to make you feel like we're judging you by any means. But I really want you to be with someone that you love truly and completely in your whole self and not because of their job or splitting anything 50-50 with you. And I feel for your partner that... He's going to lose his job and get lost dumped. his job. I feel for him. And the thing that we should be focused on is that this pandemic, it really... He, hard, large part of our population. That's what I feel very concerned about. And he's a journalist, he's a free man, and he got all my respect. Um, I hope that we're not being too harsh and hurting. Sorry, I feel very... Your feelings. It's a sensitive topic for Davide because he gave up his career to be with me. And it's not been easy and it's been a very hard two years. And it's it's been harder than we would ever be willing to go in to talk about. But we wake up every day and my husband looks at me and he said, I made the right choice and I love you. And we go to bed every night and he says, and we talk about how much we love each other and we're so thankful to be together. Try to figure out together. You want a partner to figure out things with you. Either want a partner that 50-50 split with your life. There is no mine and yours. There's no my 50% and your 50%. When you're with somebody, there is what is ours. Today, you might bring something in more. Tomorrow, we'll balance it out. We got to do together. There's no, this is my 50%. That's your, you, can't, you can't plan a life like that. Today, he is in this situation. If you feel that he's your person, Stay with him. Fight for him. Make him Be feel loved him. and supported. This isn't easy for him. And if you are feeling like the spark is gone, then that's another thing. Yeah. All right. How do we end this on a lighter note? <laughs> it's like, it's like, what is it? Moonstruck. Somebody tell a joke. <laughs> a bella luna. <laughs> a bella luna. All right. Love you guys. See you next week. Thank you. Ciao. And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes this week's episode of Everything is the Best. I hope you enjoyed it. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. Maybe leave a comment. But remember, shitty comments are for shitty people. Go ahead and follow me on Instagram at Pia Barangini. And I hope you have a fabulous, fabulous rest of your day. Love you. Ciao.